Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. Today, I'm coming to you from our new studio here at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Wes, you're going to get to join me in this studio, I think, at some point. We haven't gotten there yet. You are still in the bonus room above your garage, but how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine. I, you know, the best part about this whole scenario is you open up with, hey, we're doing this social distancing <laughs> style. Uh, this is just the way it is now for yeah. the last five months. I mean, it's almost like uh, we've had our own season of distance unscripted. Uh, we're doing the best we can. I'm still safe and healthy. I hope the same to you and yours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first practice of Packers training camp is still a handful of days away. I think uh, as the week goes on and into next week when practices get rolling, we'll start talking a little bit more about position battles and how the roster might shake down. There are a lot of things to talk about over the next few weeks in that regard. But I want to do today's show throwing a couple questions at you, Wes. So question number one for you, because I just I like to start conversations this way. I hope it works for you. Um, Aaron Jones and the Smith brothers were the individuals on the Packers offensively, defensively, who had what you would call the breakout seasons in 2019. So my question to you to start us off today is which of those guys, Aaron Jones or the Smith brothers collectively, has the tougher act to follow in 2020, to follow up what they did, to potentially repeat or even improve on what they did? Do you have any thoughts there? That's a really good question, Mike. I think you and I probably could build a one-hour radio show off of this. I mean, alone. That's a really smart one to think of. You know, I, I think I'll probably go with the Smith Bros. Uh, and the main reason for that is they set the bar so high for themselves yeah. in year one. Uh, that, that's not saying that you can't attain that. I mean, certainly Preston and Darius last week both said that's their goal. They want to be able to take this thing to another level. But, man – when you go out and you sign two unrestricted free agents, two guys that weren't even in this system, and they both fit so flawlessly into what Mike Pettin wanted to do, it's incredible what those two were able to accomplish right off the bat. There wasn't one of these little lulls like where you had to write a story in September and October like, oh, you know, they haven't fit in yet. They, they aren't getting the production yet. They did it right from the first game in that, in that matchup against Chicago, and they carried it throughout the rest of the season. So I think the tougher act to follow is the Smith bros, just because they set the bar so high for themselves. Whereas with Aaron Jones, there's still so much out there for him yet. Yeah. He had 1500 total yards. He had a boatload of touchdowns and there was a lot of records that he broke, but yet he still only did that on what 200 some touches. I mean, it's not even like yeah. he had this, this year where he was just the predominant bell cow. So uh, I look at the Smith bros as being the two that had the toughest act to follow now going into 2020. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there as far as making that choice. I do think it was rather remarkable how the system fit, the scheme fit of the Smith brothers in Mike Pettin's system was about as, as smooth and easy and almost perfect as you could get for two guys as free agents coming into a brand new team and all of that. You know, I like to throw a lot of stats at you, the, the stats and info portion of things. So here are a few things about the Smiths from 2019 that I think are interesting. Not only both of them with more than, with a dozen sacks or more on the season, which since sacks became an official stat in 1982, the first pair of teammates in the same season for the Packers to each have 12 or more sacks. But individually, a couple of interesting things. Darius Smith had four games in the regular season with two or more sacks. 
you have to go all the way back to 2006 and a pretty darn good pass rusher named Aaron Campman to find a regular season where a Packers individual pass rusher had four games with two or more sacks. And then what did he do against Seattle in the playoffs? He had another two sack game and gave himself five. Okay. Now Preston Smith, 12 sacks in the regular season, seven of those 12 sacks on third down, the money down. And then what does he do in the postseason? He has two sacks against Seattle and one of them being on a huge third down in the fourth quarter. You just, you can't, understate or overstate maybe is yeah you can't overstate the impact that these two guys had and in their first year uh here in green bay with mike Patton's defense and that's why i do think their act is a little bit they're they've given themselves a little bit tougher act to follow well and this was the biggest shift i thought the packers made uh with mike Patton in this defense now this is no disrespect to dom capers he's one of the best that's ever done it a guy that has all of my respect and admiration. But one thing that happened in the later years of the caper era was that you'd get to those third down, those dime packages. And I think there was this collective kind of everyone holding their breath about, okay, can you hold here? Yeah. Are you going to be able to get enough pressure? Are you going to be able to really, you know, get the ball back to the offense in those situations? When the, when the defense was playing at its best, they were able to do it when they didn't. That's when you saw them really struggle. One thing that I thought throughout the course of last year really made a difference with Mike Pettin's scheme is once you got it to third and seven plus, everybody just had this look on their face like, yeah, it's time to eat. Yeah. And this team is not going to get those six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards to be able to get that first down. We're going to try to take even more from them with the sack. And obviously now they, both the Smiths have talked about the emphasis on the forced fumbles this year as well. That's where I thought they really hit the note in 2019 when it was third down that was the Packers down and a lot of times they were able to dominate yeah and what you said about the forced fumbles I think it's interesting maybe that's the next step for this pass rushing duo because 25 and a half combined sacks in the regular season 29 and a half including the Seattle playoff game but yet on those 29 and a half sacks only two forced fumbles one by each guy that's the place where they can take their game to the next level because as impactful as sacks are obviously turnovers are the types of uh, plays that change games and I, I do think it's also interesting what you said about Aaron Jones in how much how much seems like is still out there in front of him and how Matt LaFleur can potentially use him in so many different ways in this offense and it sounds crazy to say that a guy who had 1,500 yards from scrimmage, rushing and receiving combined, piled up 23 touchdowns, including the playoffs, which is a, a franchise record for a full season, including the postseason, to say that maybe there's more out there for him yet. It just, it, it, it sounds crazy, but it just, it does feel that way in the sense that Aaron Jones maybe hasn't really hit his ceiling yet as yeah. incredible a season as he had in 2019. Yeah, and I think that's where this thing goes to the next level now in 2020. We saw them really start to incorporate more of those two-back concepts. You know I've been beating the drum all offseason for I think we're going to see more of that in 2020, especially adding A.J. Dillon into that equation. That doesn't necessarily take snaps away from Aaron Jones. I think it allows Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, everybody that's involved with the passing game to get a little bit more creative with how they utilize him. 
his carries may look very similar this year. His touchdowns, well, I'm sure the Packers would be happy if that looked very similar this year. But I just think you're going to see him become more of a difference maker in the passing game and how they utilize him there. Let's be honest about something, Mike. You know, Aaron Jones is in a contract year. A lot of running backs that are looking to get paid in this league, you have to be able to catch the ball and you have to be able to produce an open space. Aaron Jones has shown he can do that. So I, I think the sky's the ceiling. The sky's the limit for him. Excuse me. No ceilings <laughs> in here. But That's I think okay. I think he really – every year about him has been about maturation and improvement. He went from being a more consistent ball carrier in year two. Year three, he became a better pass protector. Uh, he became a better pass catcher. And seeing him bring all those tools together – uh, that that's that's where this thing is going to get really interesting for him. You want to be one of the top 10, top five running backs in this league. That's what you have to do. And the more that he does that, and you also touch on the, the force fumbles with the Smiths, the more that that happens for those guys, the more that you get those accolades, you get that adulation from the, the pundits in this country that, yeah. you know, punch a lot of those pro bowl ballots and the all pro teams. That's the difference because if you're in green Bay, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't always mean you're going to be in the biggest, brightest spotlight, but it does give you a platform with this offense and defense in the direction that they're heading to make you a really good player and to give you an opportunity to prove it. Yeah, well, you mentioned accolades and Pro Bowl ballots, so I want to throw another question at you here. It's a little bit of a continuation. We'll be talking about some of the same players, but looking back to a year ago, Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark were bo both ultimately made their first Pro Bowl as NFL players. They were selected off the alternate list when other guys dropped out for various reasons. There were a handful of other guys for the Packers who were named alternates last year, but they did not get selected and they, they still have yet to, to go to a Pro Bowl. And that list from last year would be Adrian Amos, Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley. I knew I was forgetting one other one there. So five other guys for the Packers who were alternates a year ago who have yet to be in a Pro Bowl. So my question to you is which of those five guys, and I'll throw another one in the mix too, even though he wasn't an alternate last year, but I'll say kicker Mason Crosby will make it a half dozen. Which of those six guys do you think is on the verge of making his first Pro Bowl in 2020? Well, Aaron Jones is there uh, because you saw he was number 33 in the top 100. I'm not saying that that top 100 carries any water whatsoever with, with the league, but it does show you that there's a lot of people, a lot of players that know his name and also have seen him on the, you know, the, the screen in the film room and, and understand how dynamic he is. I think he's on the precipice of potentially being a Pro Bowl player. The one that I think is going to be the guy to watch, though, uh, throughout this whole equation is going to be Jair Alexander. Um, this is a dude that is still only 23 years old. He still has his best years ahead of him. And he's as confident as any player that I think I've ever covered at his age. And the other thing too, he met with the media on, <clears throat> excuse me, on Monday with our Zoom call. I, I, I was saying this to a bunch of people. You think you gotta understand is Jair is not a great camera guy. He doesn't like the cameras. Right. He, lo he loves, the, he's a, a gregarious outgoing guy. He's not a big dude about sitting in front of a camera and having 12 people around him. So being in front of a Zoom, I have to imagine also was kind of, you know, kind of like an eye opener here for him. But, you know, he, he's, he, you know, people can think he's goofy. They can think he's being funny. There is nobody that takes his job more serious, I think, in that locker room than Jair Alexander. 
He has a chip on his shoulder. I've been saying this for years now. If you understand who he is and where he comes from, this is a guy that's very motivated to prove that he is the best cornerback in the National Football League. Madden already agreed with it. I saw all the stats that Madden and all the respect they put on his name. But he feels like he has all everything he needs, especially now working with you know Jerry Gray. He was very complimentary of him and in the time that they've had together. Jair Alexander's right there, and he, I think he's just a few splash plays away, a few interceptions here, a few big pass deflections there, away from being a cornerback that everybody can look at as being okay. You have your, you know, your Gilmore's and everybody else that's at the top of that level right now, but Jair Alexander is fast on their heels as that next generation. Yeah, I'm totally with you on both of the guys you talked about there. I do think Aaron Jones is right there. There's no reason really he shouldn't have gotten some sort of Pro Bowl recognition a year ago. I think that was unfortunate, but you know, as they say, it is what it is. And yeah, getting ranked number 33 in the NFL's top 100, um, certainly a, a, an achievement there to make your debut on that top 100 list in a spot that high. But I'm totally with you on Jair Alexander. I think this is the guy to watch. The, the, as I wrote about on our website and, and the stories available on Packers.com, the, the trajectory of his career has been, has been sort of clear and obvious to anybody who's been watching. He's a, first, he's an up-and-coming first-round pick. Then he gets named to the PFWA all-rookie team. He leads the Packers in pass deflections each of his first two years. He has 15 as a rookie, he has 23 in his second season. He becomes a, a, a bona fide number one cornerback and then a Pro Bowl alternate, as I mentioned, uh, in 2019. The arrow seems to just keep pointing up with this guy. Now, what does he have to do to get the Pro Bowl recognition? Probably crank up that interception number. He's only had three interceptions over his first two seasons in the league. And I thought one of the more interesting answers of, of several interesting answers in his Zoom call was when he was asked, okay, what do you do to get more interceptions? And he was just like, I just have to catch the ball. And I think... And yeah, he's being funny and he's being a little snide, but he's also saying he feels he's had the opportunities to get the interceptions that he needs for that kind of recognition. He just has to cash in. He has to finish those plays. And then I think the rest takes care of itself for Alexander. I love the guy's attitude. And yeah, some people will say he crosses the line to maybe the cockiness versus just confidence, whatever. You can analyze him any way you want to. But his mentality, in my mind, is exactly what you need at a position like cornerback. Because in this game, you're going to get beat. You're going to give up completions. You're going to give up first downs. And there are times you're going to give up touchdowns. But it's a 60-minute game out there every Sunday. And there is nobody who can flush a bad play and then get out there and stay on the attack for 60 minutes, in my mind, like Jair Alexander. Yeah, and there's a huge difference, Mike, between cocky and being disrespectful. Uh, in all the years True that I've enough. covered – I've covered Jair Alexander. I've never felt like he's disrespectful. Um, you look at the, the battles he had with Devontae Adams when he was a rookie in practice. Uh, Adams took a liking to this guy right away for that reason because of how he competed, how he came back play after play, and how he didn't want to be beaten. Didn't matter if it was over at Nitschke Field or at Lambeau Field or AT&T Stadium. This is a guy that just wants to play football, and he wants to do it at a high level. Now, bringing that all together, the, the play that always will stand out to me goes back to 2018. And it was that interception that got taken away from him because of that egregious call on Clay Matthews oh, yeah. for roughing yeah. the passer. Right. But the, the reason I bring that point up again is that was the play where I was like, yeah, that guy's a ball hog. 
Mm-hmm. He's a guy that just has a magnet for it. Now, as he said, there's been he, he was fourth in the league in pass deflections or passes defense last year. He needs to start catching more of those balls, but he just puts himself in a position at all times to be around that thing, and he just has a sticky ability, especially uh, with some of the stuff that I think, you know, the ways that you can use him in zone coverage and this, this deceptiveness of his speed and his athleticism. Uh, Alexander's a guy that I don't think is far away from being in that Pro Bowl conversation. Yeah, and this is a guy, he's not just a cover guy. Either. You mentioned the plays in your mind that, that stick out. His rookie year, that play in Minnesota at U.S. Bank Stadium on the, the slip screen, bubble screen, wherever you want to call it, where he just yeah. blew up, uh, I think it was Adam Thielen and, and chases down Stephon Diggs in the backfield for a loss. You don't see cornerbacks make plays like that every day. That was a, that was a really impressive one. But before we go here, Wes, I just need to say, too, and we talk a lot about you know, the Pro Bowl as, as a measure and whatnot. And yeah, it's, it, maybe it's not the greatest measure of everything, but if there's a guy, if there's a guy who deserves a Pro Bowl bid as a sort of career achievement award, can we get Mason Crosby to the Pro Bowl at some point here? I mean, seriously, look at what this guy has done over the course of his career. He's put, the Green Bay Packers are about to embark on their 102nd season and Mason Crosby has every scoring record in the book for this historic franchise and he's continuing to put them completely out of reach yeah. yet this guy has never been to a pro bowl and i you know you and i have both known mason for a long time i've covered his entire career here since he was a sixth round draft pick in 2007 and i just think it's i just think it's a shame that he doesn't have at least you know one of those little pro bowl logos you know in his uh, in his bio as a career achievement You know, and here's another thing for you, Mike. Mason Crosby, going into this season, 208 consecutive games played, the most among uh, active kickers. Actually, it's probably right up there. Gosh, is is that the most? Yeah, that's that's the most among active players. Oh, no, Um, Sam Cook from Baltimore. Okay. Um, But 208 games. He is 60 games ahead of uh, Steven Hauska in Buffalo right now for most uh, consecutive games played by a kicker. So what is that, Mike? That's four seasons. Um, yeah. Almost yeah. four seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just an incredible career he's had. The problem is two things with kickers. They're never hurt uh, really. So if a guy goes to the pro bowl, if he's not the guy, because there's only one that gets to go for each conference, if he's right. not the guy or he's not in the super bowl or that guy isn't in the super bowl, well, the guy's going to go. Every kicker wants to go to the Pro Bowl. Unfortunately for him, he's just never had like that one year where it's just been like 98%. You know, Billy Cundiff, no disrespect to Billy Cundiff. I'm not trying to, you know, disrespect him at all, but Billy Cundiff was a kind of a journeyman kicker. He has that one 97% year with Baltimore and goes to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Everybody, their mother, their cousin, even their child would agree that Mason Crosby has been a better NFL kicker than Billy Cundiff, but it's just the, the rub of the green. And if you look at, you know, 10 years down the line, you know, he's going to be in the Packers hall of fame someday. He's going to end up being, he's going to put that scoring record so far into a different (laughs) stratosphere. No one's ever going to be able to touch it with his longevity. Right. But it's just the way that that position goes that sometimes those guys don't get that respect. There's still time though. Uh, we, you know, guys in his late thirties at, at that position, there's, there's definitely an opportunity if he's able to have one of those seasons, one of those special seasons where 
he does all the right things and the right people are watching. Yeah, well, I think it'd be great if, uh, if that were to happen here sooner rather than later for Mason Crosby. But with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and the goings-on at training camp on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.